is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. As of the recording of this episode, uh, the episode that just came out today was uh, my conversation with Mishka Shibali. And one of the things, one of the reasons I was able to... um, I was able to do that was because of our Patreon page, because of the the patrons that we have on Patreon. And, um, you know, because I had to drive down to Emeryville, I had to get a hotel room. Um, I had to stay there and kind of coordinate things. And, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of money doesn't, you know, it's, it's not cheap to get a hotel room for a night. Yeah. You know, otherwise I was going to have to drive an hour back and forth and not sleep and it just would it just wouldn't have worked. And so um, that's one of the things that I, I just wanted to say thank you to all of our Patreon patrons that help us do these things and help us pay to, you know, for the SoundCloud and all that stuff. So it's yeah, really thank like, you. <laughs> you know, like I was thinking about like the real physical um, like the real life um, benefits of it, and so that's that's something that was really cool that we, that we were able to do with that. So, yeah, thank we you guys. Appreciate it. Thank thank you for <laughs> helping John out yes. to do his thing. We're, I'm the yes. We're also yes. sponsored by Green Camel Press, as always. T-shirts and greeting cards, and we just started making some labels, and we do all kinds of cool comics, um, and. All kinds of cool stuff. So go check us uh-huh. out at greencamelpress.com. They sponsor us. You buy a t-shirt or you get yourself a nice digital doodle. What's a digital yeah. doodle, Jerry? What is a digital doodle, Jerry? <laughs> well, you do them. You just do them uh, uh, actually all digitally. But, um, yeah. you know, when you do the procreate drawings and it's sort of a time-lapse drawing, we right. just we just do that in, in, in real life. I just set up the camera and overhead and he kind of draws and then we chop it up and add some music and make it into a fun little thing. So, I mean, if you go to Green Camel Press or at Green Camel Press on Instagram, you can see our stuff. And um, yeah, so go check That's us out great. on Green Camel yeah. Press. Check um, them out. They got all that shit. This and, is more than a than Johnny with a marker and a label maker. <laughs> Which would we be pretty good too. I mean, I, yeah. some days that's all there is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out on the corner. Hey, you need a label? You need a label? And then you just break out the label maker. It just <laughs> says, that's that shit. That's all. <laughs> that's that shit. <clears throat> Wu-Tang. And, and Wu-Tang. And then the yeah. uh, our other sponsor is um, <laughs> our sibling podcast. Gluten is not your problem. Did you listen to the latest episode yet? No, because I've been listening to audiobooks and oh, stuff. Okay. I've been I've been listening to the subtle art of not giving a fuck, and then Mishka's book. So mm. I haven't had a chance to podcast it, or to do any listen to any podcasts, but um, I will. But this last you. one is a really there's there's a there's a deep dark family mystery that gets revealed. Oh, like Walter doesn't start crying halfway through. No, no, he doesn't. Oh, man, I'm waiting for that one. Well, he talks about, we called this, this episode was the Great Train Mystery. Right, I thought it was another time travel. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you know that we should do it. We should do a three-way. You want to be a part of the next time travel episode? I, yeah, I'd love to. I got to do some research though, but yeah, we'll figure it out. I just watch a few YouTube videos. It'll be fine. Um, I will. It'll just be flat Earth videos. But, but he I got it. so for for years he had a little he had a train when he was a little kid and somebody broke it and he never knew and nobody ever told him and he tells the story about how he found out that <laughs> who broke the train 
and about um, a cousin, his mother's cousin, who was um, who who allegedly murdered his wife and was going on trial in Alaska for murdering his wife. And it's it's actually it's a really good story that I had never heard. Knowing the guy for right, twenty I years, have to listen to this. Yeah, I'd never yeah. heard this story, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And then. And he said, no, no, just let me finish the story. And he told the whole story about his, the alleged murderer, cousin murderer, and the uh, the train mystery of who, who actually broke the train. So, Dude, his life is like a Wes Anderson movie if everyone were drunk. <laughs> if everyone was drunk in a Wes Anderson movie. There's like, uh, it's like my dad was a falconeer. He used to falconate. Does he mm-hmm. listen to this podcast at all? I don't think so. I imagine he doesn't. No, He's he doesn't like, listen nah, to this. Fuck that noise. His, yeah. his, his Wes Anderson movie would be called like the Royal Jaeger Bombs or something. The Royal Jaeger Bombs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude. Um, oh, but go listen to Gluten Is Not Your Problem. Um, it's a great it's a great show with myself and our good friend Walter. He uh, he's got a hell of a life, so he's he's yeah. pretty cool in cheering us. And if you're wondering what the the um the title's all about is um well he's also been in the culinary biz for a long time and he's got some very strong opinions about things like gluten free yeah. and all that stuff so gluten is not your problem greencamelpress.com let's get on with the show welcome to as yeah. for alcoholic that's Bam. where you're at that's what you're here for is a little sober talk and um today's episode and we haven't, we didn't even discuss beforehand about this yet. Not at all. So we're um, going into this raw, mm-hmm. son. We're raw dogging this Raw thing. and fresh. Raw um, and fresh, dude. Well, one of the things that we always like to say is that however you get sober is what's most important. And Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Jerry and I both went through a particular 12-step program um, of anonymous alcoholics. <laughs> and, right. Um, but... <laughs> I always I thought it would be interesting to explore some other things because like, you know, what if there was other stuff and what if there was more things and what if there were different ways and and how do other people approach it? And I know that AA can be very intimidating. I mean, for people who want to go there, let alone people who don't. Yeah. So today we were going to talk about R is for refuge recovery. And um, Refuge Recovery, you you read the book, right? Or you had the book? I started the book. I made it halfway through. I have short attention span at time and then other things. Yeah, I need to finish it. I Mm -hmm. didn't do my homework. Well, I just picked it up and I haven't read it. And and that's another thing I want to say is this is not an exhaustive uh, research. um, Oh, I just have uh, Noah Levine's... um, biography i don't have that book okay that nobody can see right now but it's the refuge recovery <laughs> so um i always tell everybody do your own homework about these things this is just our opinion on um right something that we are just learning about you know now not just now but in the last week or two week yeah. week um so not yeah monday <laughs> so ref and i went last night so a refuge recovery is um it's a buddhist path to recovering from addiction is what the the, the cover of the book says yes. and um can i ask you how your experience went you know man uh, monday came i knew i could do it on monday i couldn't do it sunday i was doing something else and i knew i didn't i couldn't do it yesterday because my daughter had swim lessons and i couldn't make it so i did it monday Mm -hmm. and all that day monday i was anxious 
I was. I was super fucking anxious about it. I don't know why. I guess it was just an obligation or something. And even before I left the house, I looked at my wife and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do this. I feel anxious. And then I had to work my way through it. Like, why do I feel anxious? Mm -hmm. You know, this is a new thing. I don't know. You know, this is how I felt when I first started going to meetings and shit of the, you know, of, of AA. And man, I'm super uncomfortable with this. And then like I drove there and I sat, I got there like fucking 20 minutes early. So I just sat in the car and played like the word jumble game on my phone till like, you know, about 10 minutes before. And it was at a Buddhist temple here in Eugene. Mm -hmm. And I'd never been in a Buddhist temple. I used to meditate a lot and I don't meditate nearly enough, but, um, yeah, man, I loved it. I thought it was great. I walked in and it was like a Buddhist temple. So I had to remove my shoes, you know, and, mm -hmm. th and there's no, there's chairs. You can, you can opt for a chair. Everything's very open. Like you can have a chair, you can sit on a pad on the ground with a little pillow. And so I opted to sit on the pad with the pillow and it was a really positive experience. I, I, you know, I'm still like, well, I don't know if I'll attend another one because mm -hmm. it didn't strike me the same way it did when i attended my first aa meetings but i also believe that my i don't have a bias necessarily but i feel like my strength within going to the 12-step meetings that i go to is because i started there so mm -hmm. in my desperation i walked into that room and got the tools i needed now that being said going to this meeting i still feel like i can attend both and there would be no conflict of interest because they were very similar to each other. Mm -hmm. there, I was struck by how incredibly similar they were. And I was also struck that I saw a lot of familiar faces, you oh. know, from around the recovery community, people doing both at the same time, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I guess we can both discuss the details of it together. Yeah. But, I, yeah. I, had I, to, I imagine they're very similar. You know? Very similar in, in, in structure, except that I found that uh, the refuge recovery meetings were very were much more, uh, what's the word? They just weren't as structured. It was much right. more like whatever is comfortable for you, take off your shoes and, you know, either sit on the floor or sit on the chair. And yeah. um, one of the first things the guy who was running the, the thing, what, he said, this is not meant to replace your program. Is mm -hmm. what, and, and, I said that too. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. And I, I can't wait to, I really can't wait to get in and read this book and see what it's all about um, in depth. But, um, I really, I thought that was really great. So it was, it was basically saying this is, this is a, um, this is a way of, of Buddhism is a way of life. Right. So I went with a friend of mine, somebody that I, or I should say a friend of my girlfriend, somebody I don't know very well, but who is somebody who I really enjoy seeing when I do. And he and I went and, um, they started, so they, he said that, he said, this is just an addendum to whatever you're, you're doing outside of this. And later to go to that point, the gentleman that, um, I went with, we went to Dunkin' Donuts and listened to like Sugar Ray and like, it was the blues traveler on the louds. Cause that's what they play oh, at the nice. Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. you know, like it was yeah. just, it was the polar opposite of this. I still like blues traveler, dude. I don't <laughs> yeah. care what anybody says, but anyway, I'm not, you know, you don't let the hook bring you down. Um, the hook brings you back. Oh, it brings you back. That's, um, but what he said, he was telling me this story about going to a Buddhist temple in Thailand and the Buddhist monk who was, who was running the whole program said, and I'd like to, I'd like to introduce my Jewish Buddhists and my Catholic Buddhists and my Christian huh. Buddhists. And yeah. because mm -hmm. Buddhism, as far as I understand it is a way of life, it's not a religion. Right. So, mm -hmm. so I think this is also something that is much more palatable to people who have had issues with 
religion in the past. Right. Um, so when he said that, I really was like, oh, okay, this is cool. You know, they're not, they're not trying to replace anything. They're not trying to, you know, and, and I don't think that anybody, any, I should say anybody in the recovery uh, community that I've met is not looking to like get followers or do you know what I mean? Is not looking yeah. to, um, to I know try and like steal followers or you know what i mean it's not right, that kind of thing right. like so, there's these sects or something like sect s-e-c-t-s mm-hmm. sex, right like yeah like no they don't do recovery correctly we do it correctly there have been instances of that within recovery yeah absolutely but but i don't think it's common mm-hmm. and i don't think that's the goal of recovery the goal is to not fucking get loaded and to live as content of a life as possible you yeah know? Yeah, serenity. Um, serenity now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we started yeah. we started our meeting off with a twenty minute meditation. Yeah, I know. I so did I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I have a few thoughts on that. And how's um, your back? Did your back hurt? Uh a little my back was hurting because I had just, I did like earlier that day I did a almost an eight mile hike. Wow, so, nice. <laughs> yeah. Not to so, that hat. Yeah. Yeah, I was in that fucking tilly hat. Hat, yeah. Yeah. So did you sit on the floor on a pillow or did you sit in a chair, folding chair? I just sat in the folding chair with the, with the, okay. they had a blanket behind it. So, yeah, I sat in the floor in a pillow and like, I, I would like to think that my core muscles are doing better than they were before, but man, my back, it was hard for me to meditate because I was trying to stay upright. So I started just leaning against the wall. And when I laid it against the wall, it kind of relieved the pain in my back. And I could still kind of try to focus on mm-hmm. just like meditating. It was, I like meditating though. I just not sitting up like that. I wish they'd let me lay down on the floor. I just you know, I don't think that they would have stopped you if you would have had space. No. They would have just said they wouldn't. Have, yeah. Nobody would have said anything because everyone's doing. It would have been thing. my first time though. I just show up randomly, like just come in, and lay down. <laughs> hey man, it's a good clean place to take a nap if that's eat what the, you eat need. The orange off the temple. They had the Buddha eat the little orange, eat some of the rice, lay down. Um. So I was I was pretty cool with it. At first it was a little always I was like 20 minutes. And um, I don't want to say that I I don't I don't want to say that I struggle with meditation. I don't struggle mm-hmm. with it. What my my particular issue is is making it an actual habit in my life because I did it for I remember the first time that I I got like 41 days in a row and I was super stoked and I I think mm-hmm. I did like 45 or something like that and um and so now it's sort of intermittent and I haven't really set aside the time for it. Same here. Yeah. The time is there because we're talking, if I just did it 10 minutes a day and there's no, there's, I don't have an excuse good enough that I don't have 10 extra minutes. You know what I mean? So, um, that's my issue with it. So when I, we finally for a second, I was like, ah, 20 minutes, Jesus, I was, I was here to get some enlightenment and like, you know, give it to me now kind of thing. You know, but, um, Mm -hmm. I sat in the chair for 20 minutes. It was, it was guided. Like the dude just had it on his little Alexa, like speaker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ours is a little more organic than that. Okay. (laughs) Our lady had a bowl. Mm -hmm. She hit the bowl. And -hmm. then she told you what to do while, while she was meditating. And then there were three phrases and she would repeat these three phrases and Mm. she would say, try to repeat these phrases in your mind. So it was a chant. It was a chant, but it wasn't. It wasn't out loud. It was internal, mm-hmm. um, and I, it was. They were basically like, "You are not responsible for other people's happiness or freedom. 
they're responsible for it. And then the other one was um, you uh, negative things that happen to you are not are not negative because they're happening to you. They're negative because of the way you perceive them. Mm-hmm. Like the way you perceive what's happening to you, that's why it's a negative thing. And I can't remember the other one. Something about being kind or something. Something about kindness and compassion. Mm-hmm. I can't remember them exactly. Huh. Okay. No, we didn't do any of that. We did... Um. It was it was a guided meditation. It was about making... Uh-huh. It was about smiling, like my heart smiling and, and my... Yeah. You know... um my eyes smiling and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, we did that for 20 minutes and then we just went out, went around the room and shared. Shared. Yeah. Um, and did you share? I did. Yeah. I mean, that was basically because I was with, with the guy. And so he shared and then he said, John, you're next. And, and I just said, um, you know, I just talked about it and I explained, I said, I'm from, cause the other thing they said, you, all you have to do is introduce yourself with your name. You don't have to yeah, say you, anything about your addiction or whatever. Addiction, whatever it is. You don't have to. I mm-hmm. did, but that's cause I do. I don't know. Yeah. And, um, um, what was I going to say? So, so we did that and then we go to, sh- we go to share and, um, I shared a little bit about why I was there and that I had come from AA and Mm -hmm. um, that I was just looking for not necessarily something more, but that I was looking for, uh, I was just curious that I, you know, I was, I like meditation. I think that it helps and I would just wanted to know more. And I had a friend here and, and um, I think I used an analogy uh, that I read in uh, Mishka's book and he talks about if like, if you had a jar full of beads and you Mm -hmm. broke it on the ground it's that's what sobriety is kind of like because you now you have to clean up all the beads and broken glass and you may think oh, you've cleaned it that's a great it. analogy you'll read it later in the book but when you clean it up there's always you're going to find a bead in the couch cushion like years later and these kind of things and I was just talking about you know trying to just trying to clean up things and that's you know what I've really I mean I think that I've been working on lately is just trying to clean up things and so we we everybody shared and it was super. Um, it was super cool because there was only like five or six of us, and um, the kid, you know, next to me was having troubles, and this woman was doing really great, and it was just, it was just a really simple, easy um, sharing. I mean, that's all yeah. it was, you know. So we did a book reading, okay, and I didn't have a book because everybody ran up and grabbed the books. There was like almost thirty people in this room. Oh wow! It was a big room. And they had, uh, you know, brought in a, a handful of guys who were in the uh, from rehab, you know, and it always it always strikes me when you see these guys coming in from rehab because my heart goes out to them because they're early. They're like real wet, you mm-hmm. know, behind the ears, you know, and it, it was like a group of guys. It was probably like eight or nine of them. And there a lot of them were young. Some of them were older. And I always notice how the guys in early recovery, especially coming from the rehab and it's not a judgment call or anything. They just seem real cagey. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they seem, I can feel, I can feel that early recovery coming off of them, that kind of uncertainty and nervousness. Want to bolt. Like, Want to bolt, exactly. And being like, what the fuck am I doing here? But I need to be here. You know, that's all the can't and must going on right there, dude. I can't drink, but I must drink, you know, or I can't use, but I must use. So I noticed them in the room immediately, but we read out of the book. All those guys jacked all the books. I was like, fuck, I got no book. <laughs> And so the dude, and they gave you the option to pass. I mean, it's Eugene, Oregon, so everything is very like, I think that's why there's a lot of people there too, because Eugene is really, you lived here. It's Mm -hmm. very, 
it's a very crunchy organic crunchy spiritual kind of place yeah. without being too evangelical about it you know? yeah uh there was a buddhist monk in our meeting and it was really interesting because he was part of the group you know I, he was in recovery as well and uh that was really cool you know and mm-hmm. and um we did the book reading the guy next to me lent me his book and then the lady who was next in line didn't have a book so i like get i like get put past the book to her and then the, the book had, it was like dog-eared and had highlighters and and uh, post-it notes in it and the guy leans over and he goes hey get that book back when she's done okay and i'm like yeah of course dude like but uh yeah it was kind of like after that it was kind of that popcorn share you know where they like pick pick whoever you know they want to and then that person they share and then they pick the next person and so they picked me and there was this reading from the book man um and it was like all about kindness and compassion but there was also this whole analogy of not analogy but this concept of pain and this idea not the idea but this reality that pain is a learning mechanism not only is it a way for your body to tell you to not do this thing because it's harming you physically but even emotional pain physical pain they're a learning mechanism and it, it's come up a lot it came up a little bit in mishka's book and in that subtle art of not giving a fuck it came up in there too this idea of pain helping you learn and i really immediately thought of bukowski's um what matters most is how well you walk through the fire mm-hmm. i think that's what it is right what matters most is how well you walk through the fire and how the idea the pain of having to go through early recovery and even the pain of having to go through extended recovery at times is is a learning pain you know you have to walk through this fire to learn and so i just kind of explained it that way that that it just kept coming up in my life you know in the past week or so and it was very interesting i had a i had a little sort of uh moment this morning in that in in regards to pain so i was it was a very busy morning for me and i was meeting up with a friend and we were going to do some work and then um but i had to go get groceries and i had to get gas and i had to make sure i get these things done and so the easiest effect most effective way for me to get a quick workout in is to go do the exercise bike at the gym yeah so i think i'm just going to do this real quick i crank up the i know this sounds silly but so i crank up the resistance and i'm going and i'm going and i'm going and all of a sudden my knees really start to hurt my thighs really start to hurt and i was like well what if you just go longer what's on the other side of this like right is there mm-hmm. is there a point where when you have when you're at resistance 11 that this doesn't hurt like what is that like yeah. and yeah. um huh. i know that that's like maybe that's a little bit different but um cuz you know recovery is more emotional and but there's still but it's physical a good pain. analogy though yeah there is still physical but it's still an analogy because mm-hmm. how much can your heart and your soul hurt before you come out on the other side of it you know yeah. my, my idea was also that um i have i have to i had to strongly and now less strongly go against all of my ideals in life and i had to go against who i was fundamentally as a person in the beginning i had to change not change but go like go upstream from what my brain was telling me to do all the time and that was painful mm-hmm. like i had to go out there every day in the fucking world and i still do and be like this is not who I am. You know what I mean? But this Mm -hmm. is my brain is telling me this is who you are. And my, you know what I mean? Like that internal spiritual part of me is like, this is not who you are. And you know that dude, this is your, the irrational part of your brain's like telling you that this is the way it is. And it's not. So to me, that was also the pain of learning, like almost like you pushing on that bike, you know, (laughs) it's like, dude, if you can get through this, what's on the other side, did you get through it or no? Did you give up? 
I well, I mean, so I, I, I do it on sort a of a way to know, but, it, but yeah. I don't know what I necessarily gave up, but I took as much pain as I could. I didn't get through it. Yeah. I didn't get, I didn't go through it today, but yeah. at one point like the, so the resistance kind of jumps down and I was like, I can't fucking do it. My knees hurt. And so I just kind of, I just pushed it down before it was ready to go to the cool down mode or whatever. Yeah, but cool so, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's That's... on the other side of the paint. Um, mm-hmm. Not yet. I haven't gotten there yet. Not today. Um, but, you know, one of the cool things, I think I really enjoyed the meeting. Um, it felt kind of like. Um, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. You know, when I was telling my girlfriend about it and I said, you know, it didn't seem to have a whole lot of it didn't have as much structure. You know, I, and I was, I said to her, I said, I don't, I'm not sure how you could get, you could get sober without any sort of real structure, you know? And she's like, or how I was like, how are any of these people? And, and I said, and I was thinking to myself, that's not really the best way to look at it, but that's how I feel right now. And she's mm-hmm. like, John, you just feel that way because you need structure to get sober. That's you. <laughs> yeah, you're just, wow, look at that. you know, you're imposing dude. your needs and your feelings onto, but what if, if it does, and I don't know enough to say that it doesn't have structure, but if that's mm-hmm. my three second, you know, my one hour analysis, like even if it doesn't have as much structure, if that works for somebody and that's all that somebody needs, if it's everything that somebody needs, if it fits perfectly in your life, then far be it for me to say, you know, it was my own personal um, issues that were coming out. Not that I was, yes, I was projecting yeah. them on other mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. but I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm the one who needs structure. I'm the one apparently th- who needs to be right. told what to do. And I think that's why you took so well with AA. Do you know what I mean? Because there was a mm-hmm. structure there. That's why I took so well with the program because there were, there were things that I, I didn't have to do, but they were like things that were suggested to me that I should do. And so I stuck within those parameters as well as I could, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I still live those things today, but it was, I looked at it as more of like a, like a seasoning to my recovery. You know, it's just a little extra salt or a little extra flavor, some extra Adam ad amendment, like an extra thing to help me work through this recovery where I don't have to, uh, I, I don't know. Okay. So this one gentleman shared, and he was saying, you know, he was a member of AA for a long time. And he said, if you look at the 12 steps of AA, they're very Buddhist in nature. A yeah. lot of the ideas are very Buddhist. He said, the only problem was with me personally, with the way I looked at it, this is what this gentleman said, was that when Bill W. wrote them, he had to put in, he put in all this evangelical stuff into it, which is slightly evangelical, you know, it, in its own way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But And so I saw that and I went, wow, they are really kind of Buddhist in nature. Like this whole taking inventory, owning your own shit, making amends to people. And, and like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. being kind to other people, helping yeah. out those that are sicker than you. I mean, those are all, I imagine those are all the kind of do no harm kind of philosophy of Buddhism, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I yeah, I, I know I've, I've heard that, you know, Bill W. took a lot of Buddhist... Um, yeah. thoughts and ideas and put it into AA. And mm-hmm. um, when they talk about the four noble truths and the guy was super cool, he was, he was kind of describing what the noble truths were. And um, I guess they go, there's the four noble truths and then there's the eightfold path. So that's 12 different pillars. And so once a month they change the pillar and they were going through the different, like that's the topic of that month or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And, but um, I just wanted to read real quick um, the eightfold path, which leads to recovery. So there's, um, understanding, intention, communication and community, action and engagement, livelihood and service, effort and energy, 
um, mindfulness and meditations and concentration meditations. Right. And I mean, this is all stuff that's absolutely helpful that uh, I, I hear and I go, yeah, that's, I need more of that. Like I, I didn't yeah. hear anything where I was like, yeah, man, this ain't for me. The only thing I could think of was uh, that I came to realize was like, oh, I need more structure or I need to right. be able to not judge, you know, cause that's what I did. I was judging this process yeah. unjustly mm -hmm. because of my previous bias, you know, or where I had found fallen my, my moment of desperation, my gift of des desperation that led me to find what make, what works for me mm -hmm. and just for me, because even the way that you work, your program is different from mine. Even if we say, yeah. even if we read from the same book, we're getting different ideas and thank God, because it's great to have other people as resources. And I, you know, because of the gentleman that I went with and his name is Frank O'Connor and he does a uh, podcast um, called Celtic Mindfulness. He's an Irish guy um, and it's, he's an interesting fellow. He played yeah. he played piano at a bar called Lefty O'Doul's for like 40 years in San Francisco, playing like really? Piano Man and fucking Brown Eyed Girl and all yeah. this stuff. Wow. And um, so he does all this Celtic mindfulness stuff now. And um, check him out. Check out that podcast. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Sounds it's on. Interesting. It's on YouTube. He, him and his his friend Donna, which is D O N A G H, I think is how you pronounce their spell uh -huh. that name. But so it's these Donut. two old Irish dudes who get on the mic and just talk about mindfulness and recovery. It's great. Rad. Yeah. I'm gonna check that out, dude. <laughs> Learning new shit. Mm -hmm. so, I, I didn't think it was unstructured. Uh, my own personal opinion of it was I enjoyed it. I would probably return again. And I, like I said, I'd probably use it as an addendum. another tool, an addendum yeah. or another tool, or maybe in addition to a tool I'm using. Yeah. You know, like the little magnet end on a drill that actually holds a screw in. You know, like, I, like mm -hmm. I, I'm full of these metaphors. Yes. But you know what I'm saying? Like, to use it that way. I mean, this one tool I'm using is already pretty useful, but this little attachment helps me get through mm -hmm. the job I got to do, which is getting up and being a pleasant person and making my everybody around me not feel like garbage. Yeah. And me not feeling like garbage. Yeah. I mean, I, I have nothing but good things to say about it, and it was super mellow and low-key, and I put a dollar in the basket. and um... I left my wallet in the car, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's how nervous i was can you imagine this i was having anxiety over going to go fucking meditate dude this is how like how tightly wound i can be man yeah and then i left there feeling good i was like wow okay yeah yeah the, you know what the universe is okay. that's always the thing whenever i'm right. going to something yeah whenever i get out of a yeah. meeting of any kind i'm always feeling better you know than when yeah. i than when i showed up and Mm -hmm. even as much anxiety as I might have about being there. And then I start to really like stack it all. Like, where am I going to park and how early should I be? And mm -hmm. who am I going to run into? And is somebody going to make me read some shit out loud. And right. where am I going to sit? Is that, is my favorite seat going to be available? Cause if it's not, then I'm not yeah. fucking staying. And you know, like all this stupid stuff that's not important and really, I don't know. The more I go to these things, the more I just kind of strip away the stupid stuff and, and really kind of focus on just being there. You know, being yeah. being in the moment and being present. And, you know, I'm looking forward to reading this book and Annie Grace's book, um, which, you know, her whole thing is like, um, are you an alcoholic? And, you know, take the survey and then you flip this page and it's like nobody's an alcoholic. And she goes into like all the the neurology of it and she's just got a whole nother outlook on it, you know, and like. Huh. 
that's fine. I don't have to share that outlook to appreciate what she's doing or how she's right. doing it or to or to to take some of the tools that these people have put forth that have worked for them yeah. and for mm-hmm. countless others, right? Right. It's all give and take. I look at it like the way I looked at my own spirituality before uh, I found recovery and the, even the own kind of spirituality I ha- carry now, which I learned from my mom, which was just take what works for you and just discard what doesn't. So mm-hmm. like I was raised really Catholic. So there are some Catholic ethics that I hold or maybe some ritual there that I still use that I just was raised with. But then there's I had an ex-girlfriend who was super Buddhist and her whole family were all Buddhist. And so I would learn things from them and take that from, do you know what I mean? It was just taking little bits of things from everywhere. So I try to apply the same to my recovery. So this is the most AA heavy media um, podcast we've done. I think where we've mentioned it the most, Well, and even with, even with Alcoholics Anonymous, dude, I just take what I need from it. Mm-hmm. I try to give back to those people that need something that I might know or just to hear what I have to say so they can relate. But I still, I'm kind of selfish. Like I take what I need out of it and I bring that back to me and I work my own recovery with it, you know, and hopefully me working my recovery helps other people work their recovery. Or if they have a question, ask me, I'll help you dude. But you know, I just take from everything and try to keep myself afloat. You know, I just read, um, or I just listened to Rich Roll's book, uh, called Finding Ultra, and it's a lot more about fitness than it is about recovery, but that's a huge part yeah. of his story as well. And you know, he says he says that about his own book. He said, he said, just take what resonates with you, and discard the rest. Because yeah. a lot of times, I don't feel like I'm I'm taking in enough, or I'm looking at the right things, or maybe I need to be looking at something more. Or if there's here's something that I don't like that maybe I should be into, or maybe I should be dis- um, investigating. And then I get overwhelmed with like what I'm not doing rather than what I am doing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, and then it doesn't all have to resonate with me. It doesn't all have to be something that, that fills my heart with joy because it's not going to, there's only, there's going to be certain things that work and then just get rid of the rest. Right. So I think that's, mm -hmm. that's just, that's a valuable lesson that I've learned. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And there'll be hard parts to it, too. I like how I always throw that shit. Yes, there it's will. It's going to be fucking hard. But yeah, life is hard anyway. You know, I mean, life is difficult. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you need the pain to learn and you need the difficulty to learn, you know. And it sucks and, just, and it's worth it. <laughs> and it's all chaos. It sucks. It's worth it. And it's all chaos, man. Mm-hmm. It's all fucking. It doesn't matter. Like, I mean, it just will happen regardless, whatever bad thing it is. Maybe it's even just a bad thing is stubbing the fucking balls out of your toe stubbing the balls out yeah. of your toe i did that man <laughs> we had this huge snowstorm like five months ago and we got snowed in our power got turned out and i stubbed the shit out of my toe and my toenail is still black and this should happen in february gross yeah it's gross i take my sock off it's not sexy it's disgusting <laughs> i have a black toenail I'm wait, everybody's like it's gonna fall off i'm like it hasn't fallen off yet it's hanging out for dear oh. life dude oh. so with that i'll send you i'll send you a picture yes I'll put it on the internet. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, he does it. I, I don't know. There, there's probably so much more we could talk about. And I, I haven't read the book and I haven't read any of the literature and I've only been to one meeting. So um, mm-hmm. I would say that I would go back and I'm definitely like, I'm going to do a little uh, podcast crossover with Frank O'Connor over at Celtic nice. Mindfulness. And um, uh-huh. uh, he's just, it was, and I think the 90 minutes I spent in the Dunkin' Donuts with him, I think I enjoyed more than the hour I spent, but it was like the whole experience was great because 
I got yeah. to see this little slice of life and it was just a little office building with some chairs and some people talking and trying to help each other out and sharing. And like, yeah. I was like, Oh, this is exactly what I need. This yes. is, I'm so glad I did this on a day. I don't normally do this. I'm so glad I went somewhere different and, you know, got to sit and meet new people. And it was, it was a relief all in all. And it was, I'll definitely... be re- I'll, I'll probably go again too. Yeah. I probably will because I enjoyed it. And I, but I really, what you said earlier struck me as like a group, a room of people trying to help each other and listen to each other. And that's, that's why we call it a recovery community. Like we mm-hmm. need this. We need to help each other out because we, we are all different people. Like John and I are really close friends, but we look at the world very differently at times. And like, mm-hmm. we still have that one thing we can relate. You know, yeah. there's this one thing between us that held us together as glue as friends and now holds us, you know, together as glue as friends now. And it's, it was our drinking. And now it's our like ability to like deal with not drinking and being on the other end of it, being on the other end of it. And I really feel like the recovery, the community part of the recovery community is important. Like we all need each other. You know, if you can do it alone, that's fucking awesome. You know, once again, send me an email, show me how you did it alone. Mm -hmm. I I would like to steal some of your stuff too. You you should listen, listen to the podcast with Mishka. Um, mm-hmm. he talks about yeah, it. Yeah. Cause he kind of does it alone in his yeah. own way. I imagine. Yeah, he does. And yeah. he, he talks about that too. But, um, yeah, man, I thought it was, I thought it was great. And I, I'm, I am, it just reminds me that I need to keep my mind open for other ways of, of, of doing this thing called life, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this little thing <laughs> we call <laughs> life, you know? <clears throat> um, but I, I really enjoyed myself and I'm, I'm glad I would, I would say, if you're looking for a different experience and if, if whatever you're doing right now doesn't feel right, go find a refuge recovery meeting in your area. Yeah. I think you would like it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe not, but maybe not. I'm glad that we got to do a little, um, sobriety investigative journalism for yeah, you guys. A little investigative. <laughs> yeah. This is a hit piece on Buddhism. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it was really, it was wonderful. I enjoyed it. And I, I have a feeling I will be doing it a couple more times. Maybe turn that into a habit as well. Cool. You know, Cause it was really helpful. Right on. Well, yeah. thank you, Jerry. Yeah. I'll be sending you that black toe picture in a minute or two. Here. Namaste. <laughs> namaste, bro. Namaste. Or should I namaste or not my go? You go, you go into the yoga studio. Namaste here, man. Namaste here, man. <laughs> hey, uh, 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 knock, knock. Who's there? Panther. Panther who? Panther, no pants. I'm going swimming. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.